Hello and welcome to The Donfather, a family podcast about the Essendon Football Club. And my friends, as is appropriate on a weekend such as this, we died two rounds ago, laid to rest, and yet on the third day, we rose again, ready to revive the 2021 season. Who is with me tonight in the recording booth? Well, you've got the trustee, you've got myself, and look at, in typical Essendon fashion, we win a game and just look at them fly back in. Now, we've had a bit of a disaster uh, recording this episode, because this is actually our second take. We had a few technical difficulties, but uh, we did have a fourth member, but tonight we've only got a third, so... But very typical Essendon behaviour to just, you know, get a win, and now everyone wants to come back and talk Essendon well, yeah. so... Of course, Laura, we do. It's good, good to, to be here for um, round two of this pod. Um... What a week it was for the Essendon Footy Club. It was, it was. But it's true. It's true what you said, Matthew. Uh, as is appropriate both for the Essendon Football Club and for this particular episode, it has risen once again from the, de- from the dead. As all people who celebrate this time, from, for this time of the year, there is life after death. And this episode lives once more with this recording. You cannot keep a good yeah. team down. Well, everything about our mood right now is just, just Essendon. Laura only coming back when we win. And then me and you, Nick, uh, we were all doom and gloom for the past, uh, at least the past two weeks. Just I, I do not know what you're talking about. I have been <laughs> very much positive about this season. I, I have had faith. <laughs> I have, there's, there's no evidence to suggest that I was anything but committed to this rebuild and happy with the direction of the coaching, the football club, and how we're travelling as a general populace. I did listen to the last episode um, and I have to say the mood on Saturday versus what I listened to earlier that day, I I beg to differ. Describe the mood. Describe what you experienced, Laura. What what did you witness? It was so sombre, the last episode. S&M Football Club is done we are finished. We are not going to win another game. I'm off them. Next minute, premiership favourites, according to you two. Well, if you have a look <laughs> at the ladder, we are sitting a tenth something with only one game outside of the eight with uh, plenty of percentage. We might be making a late run or, in fact, an early run to the finals. We're also sitting above Carlton and Collingwood, if I'm not mistaken which every Essendon supporter loves. Yeah, all Essendon supporters love that. But mind you, we've got to get this episode rolling because uh, we're, we're short on time this evening and we've got two games to look forward to and obviously we need to get this out before the Thursday game because then it's time to record again. So why don't we take a little bit of a break and then when we come back, we'll launch straight into our St Kilda review. Alright, before the break we were just uh, discussing the excitement we had around the game on Saturday night. And Maddie, why don't you kick us off, tell us what your thoughts are about that performance on Saturday evening. Well, actually before I do that, uh, being a a family podcast, uh, Nick, do you have an important announcement to make for our uh, wide fan base? Our huge, all six listeners. Hey, we've Um, got international guys. We have United States. But what do you mean we've got international? Tell me about our Spotify listeners. We had one from the USA. Uh, I feel like perhaps someone's using a uh, um, VPN blocker, which then creates a different internet place. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure we don't have any um, any listeners in Swaziland or the USA or in Romania. I'm sure they're all Australians. Or if we do, shout out to them. Whoever you are. Uh, but Nick, uh, your, your announcement. Oh, yeah. There's a new little bomber on the way. So we timed perfectly. 
yeah. shooting like Alex Alec Waterman, hundred uh, percent accuracy, almost like Aaron Francis. It's three two. Aaron Aaron Francis's disposal efficiency, hundred percent efficient. Uh, baby to arrive in October. Beautiful. Just before uh, or just after us and win the flag. But, well, funny you should say that, but uh, obviously we got married uh, December thirty one. And Ash was very keen to start trying for a family straight away. And I said, well, <laughs> listen, I know you're American, but what's nine months after the last weekend of December? That's right. The last weekend of September. So there will be no trying for at least the first month. Look, uh, and here we are. And I, I feel like you are cutting it way fine because if there's any issues and this baby comes early... Like two weeks early is fairly common, so better hope. I don't do anything yeah. incorrectly. Trust me, it'll arrive bang on time. <laughs> They're super in separate beds for the first uh, couple of weeks of your your marriage. Uh, at, Honeymoon yeah. separate rooms, as is appropriate. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, no, exactly right. But I, I also speaking of fans, just wanted to give a quick shout out to uh, the Essendon fan group, uh, Red and Black. Uh, Don the Sash. Mm. Uh, they, yeah, they. I think uh, we did have a rise in listen listenership uh, when I made a post in there, and they got right around it. So thank you to everyone there, and hope they keep on listening, and hope we keep providing some value. But um, shall I go straight into my likes about the game? Yeah, jump in, we'll, let's we'll, go we'll, for it. We'll get this game out of the way. Um, I've probably got uh, seven or eight, which I. Um, I guess you'd all have the same. So, but, so uh, being, being an audible medium, an audio medium, no one else can see this, but Matthew, are you reading off a target label that you have written on? I am. Uh, that was all I had around my desk. <laughs> so I, I actually made it when we did the first run of this and I've screwed everything out, so I'm just trying I to read. I noticed that the first um, time too, actually. <laughs> Um, I think I've had a receipt as well around. Yeah, it's it's uh, getting desperate around here. But uh, first of all, I thought I, well, as supposed role players, um, and I'm talking guys like Guelphy, guys like Redmond, uh, who in times gone past, uh, Nick Hind as well, mm. who in, in, well, he's not times gone past, but, you know, uh, they were guys who were just considered to be role players and, you know, uh, maybe they were in and out of the side or on the cusp, etc. Uh, they have showed, or well, Goffey's only had the one hit out, but uh, they really showed that say, hey, we're not here to just roll over and, and be a number and, uh, you know, just happy to be out here. We are genuine contributors to this team. And, yeah, they're not going to be our A-grade superstars, uh, but they're going to make a genuine contribution to the team every single week, and they are they are on the team sheet every week. They're not in and out, they're not the, the first dropped because someone else has got to come in. They are genuinely a part of our team. So I thought that was a big tick for our, uh, in inverted commas, role players. I think that's really they important. Were fantastic. That, that's a really important part of a team's development is to have role players that are genuine best 22 players. So if you look, like I think probably the best example in our team right now is Will Snelling. He, Yeah, he's another one. He wouldn't yeah. be considered really a, a world beater or an A grade at 20 any degree but gee he plays his forward pocket half forward flank pressure forward role so well that he's legitimately undroppable he he would be on the team sheet every week and for good reason he he bobs up for his pressure he creates a goal or he kicks a goal or two and I think these type of players when when you're Bottom six players, and again, no no disrespect to Will Snelling. I think he's exceptional at this role. When your bottom six le- players are at the level that Will Snelling is at, then I think you've got a very, very good football team. Mm. I tend to agree. I just like the effort 100% of the time. Uh, Mason Redmond, you know what you're going to get. He's going to give you a contest, and he's... He, Full credit to him. He's not just an effort player. He can genuinely use the footy himself. He can win contests and he uses it well. Same with Mac Welfie, mm. who I think, uh, I think going forward in his career, he's going to be significantly underrated mm. as to how much he actually contributes and how good he is. Mm. Um, Will Snelling, another one. Uh, Hindy is Saad. Adam, Adam, who is Adam Saad? Who is this this guy you speak of? Yeah. 
Hindy's come and just said, up yours. I'm better than him. Mm. Um, Nick Hind so is, I, I really like- is a really good pickup. And we've said it several times, but uh, we'll say it again. I think he actually has a better football brain than, than Adam Saad. I think he is more direct and he's more efficient with his disposal. I, I really like the the games that we're getting out of Nick Hind at the moment. Yeah, and to come on after a big hit would have been easy for him to sort of put the cue in the rack. But uh, no, he came out and I think he put on a chase down after that big hit. Mm. Uh, so, and, you know, it was, a, it was a free kick, but questionable. But uh, no, really impressed with our guys who aren't necessarily superstars, but are now saying we are genuine contributors to this team, mm. despite. Um, yeah, uh, Laura, anything to add there? Or, um, uh, you can move can on. Move on. No. Yeah, Good I was job. just going to have a separate like, but we might touch on it later. So you move on and I'll add. Uh, I'll keep rolling off. Uh, I thought our youth was fantastic. Mm. Um, Nick Cox looked like a 100-game player. He was yeah, the pencil. The friend of the show. He was fantastic. Friend of the show. He was fantastic. Uh, so, you know, sold a bit of candy. Fantastic use of uh, uh, by foot. How was that um, turnaround pickup? I think it was in the first quarter. Pick up off the deck and then spears a target inside 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He kicked a goal early as well. Um, he was fantastic. He looked like a, looked like he just belongs out there, so full credit to him. Yeah. Uh, Harrison Jones, and that'll actually that'll lead me on to my next point shortly, but, um, you know, he doesn't look like a third gamer. He's, I mean, Truck said it in, in all his press conference, we, we're only going to play guys if they're out there and they, they can perform for us, and he's, he performed. He looks like he's going to have a long career in the AFL, and um, I think, well, look, uh, what most impressed me about Harrison Jones is his work rate on the other side. If he's not taking marks, there's still plenty he does. Mm. He set up uh, that give you a goal. He, he got the spoil from the kick out, which then... Yeah, then yeah. What I like about Harrison Jones is he seems to be the kind of key forward, and he's got a lot of development left to go, right? But he seems to be the kind of key forward that just does the simple things really well. He leads well. He presents. He makes a contest. He turns around. He kicks well. He there's nothing really seemingly super flashy about him. He just does the little things and the easy things to a very good level. He seems like he's going to be a super yeah. consistent player, even in his first round where his first game where he wasn't hitting any targets, but he just kept showing up and kept giving it a go, um, presenting, putting himself in a good position. Yeah, I think um, I remember when we, we on the draft show. You know, we spoke about um, all the show we did just after the draft. How we might have just drafted our next sort of Lloyd Lucas combo. Mm. I get the feeling he's more of a Lucas than a Lloyd, and that's no disrespect to him. But I see him as that player who is just going to work hard all day, pop up, be consistent for for three or four, maybe kick a bag every now and again. Um, but. I, I, that like Scott Lucas is severely underrated because of how good Matthew Lloyd was. I was going to say, make no mistake. I don't think it's make no mistake. So I don't think it's disrespectful to compare someone to Scott Lucas. What a champion! No, no, sorry, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. No, no. So what I was trying to say was, I, I don't mean to say that he's going to be a Robin to a Batman. Um, I think it's more, you know, a bit of the Justice League. One's Batman, one's Superman. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he's going to be a very good player for us for a long time. Mm. So, um, very impressed with him, Coxie, uh, Mister Archie Perkins. Oh, Jeezy was good, um, wasn't he? In little flashes, yeah, we saw enough to get excited by, didn't we? Absolutely. Uh, I, th- I mean, I just loved how cool, composed, and, and calm he, he was. He did not look like a first um, gamer at all. No, he didn't. He didn't, um, and that's in, in, a, in a good oh, in yeah. a good sense. Um, yeah, he it, it didn't seem too frazzled by the fact he was on the big stage. Look, he he didn't get a heap of it, um, but when he did get it, he genuinely made contribution with it. So I think he had fourteen touches. Uh, Let's check what his stats fourteen were. touches. Yeah, fourteen or sixteen was, at pretty good efficiency. I'll just bring him up. I've. Uh, Jeez, not everyone 
fill the space while I look up these stats. So I was also looking, yeah, 14. Uh, 14, yeah, looked um, just really composed. Mm. Um, looks cool, calm. Didn't look panicky with the footy, which you, you can do when you're, you're a young guy. You know, had the confidence to take on Carlisle and uh, take on a few others and, and, and do what he does best, which is run and take on their game. So uh, that's a very exciting prospect. Uh, Zerk Thatcher, I thought also, and that, look, that'll lead me on to my next point as well. Um, he, I think he's, he wouldn't have even played ten games yet, but but looked really natural out there. Um, I think Zerk Thatcher was a really key inclusion. I don't know why he hasn't played earlier. Let's assume he was injured or not fit, but uh, he was a really key inclusion that allowed the rest of, similar to our midfield, allowed the rest of the defence to really push one step along the line and play more of their natural game. You look at Francis's game, he had 20 disposals at 100% efficiency because he wasn't having to play 10 centimetres too short. You look at Ridley's game, again, 35 touches, just dominant across halfback. Zerk Thatcher just played that role where he can take the really big key forward, negate them, and allow everyone to play that one step along the line. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, well, that leads me into the next point. I really liked the look of our um, back line with th- three talls, three genuine talls, mm. um, and then our forward line with probably two talls and, a, and half a tall in Waterman slash Stringer. So mm. um, I, I like that a lot better than the other way around where we, you know, we played sort of two talls, if you call Francis a tall, and three, three uh, tools up forward. I thought we, we looked much better with three tools down back who by no means are just there to compete. They can gen- Those three tools can genuinely hurt teams the other way, um, particularly Francis and Ridley who, you know, Ridley had 35 and is, you know, very underrated player in the competition and Francis went at 20 and had 100% efficiency. So, um, and I, I think our forward line just looks so much better, particularly with the slow player and hooker. Um, so much better with only two tools down there and a string of Waterman type. Mm. So, well, what I like, um, really like about our back line, if we look at it, it's the, particularly the one from on the weekend was Francis Ridley, Zerk Thatcher, Hind, Redman, Guelphie ran through there. Um, who else came through? Laverde. Laverde was down there. So, well, accepting Laverde, that back line is the same back line that we had playing VFL together uh, in 2018-19 when the VFL team was playing off in prelims and um, or 17-18 before Hindy Yeah, left. it might have been that. So, yeah. so they've actually played quite a number of games, albeit at a lower level. They, they know each other really well. And I remember watching those games and the final series and that sort of thing at the time and how impressed the commentators were with not only the back line, but how well it worked as a group. And in fact, Aaron Francis was clearly the leader in that back line. But I think in terms of a development of a, a team within a team, that that back line is really solid. And I think if they can now string games together at the AFL level, I think we're very well uh, well placed going forward. Yeah, I certainly agree. I don't know, Laura, if you had uh, any thoughts on um, there. No, not specifically on the defence. I probably haven't watched a lot of VFL, so I haven't seen um, yeah, a lot of what's gone on. But I do know that they, they were looking much more polished um, than our defence has for quite a while. So it was good to see, you know, when the ball goes back, that there is some confidence that, um, yeah, it's not just going to go through the big sticks. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, Nick, we've spoken about it um, for a few weeks now, but Francis looks so... I mean, he did roll onto King at times, but Francis looks so much more at home, not having to play tall all the time. He, he is that sort of... And King said it on our first uh, run of this, this episode, that he is that player that... Not not one to sort of muscle and, and, and push around a guy and just stick like glue, but... More someone who can play, you know, a defender who can play front, switch across if he has to, or play in front and genuinely get in someone's leading space and not have to play on a monster. So 
Um, it was so much better for him to not have to play on a monster and, and, and our back line just looks so much better when he's able to go and do what he's best at rather than have to deal with a, you know wrestling with a Charlie Dixon or something like that. So, yeah. um, Having said that, though, as good as our back line was, the entire pressure up the ground, which is so important to, for, for, to allowing your defenders to actually defend because there's pressure up the ground and, and the other team aren't getting it in easy. Uh, just fantastic, I thought. Well, there was two um, plays that really epitomised that. And one was um, Hind. He ended up giving away the free kick on Billings. But he started that foot race 10 metres behind Billings and ended up beating him to the ball and then waiting for the tackle. And then, obviously, in the last two minutes, Darcy Parrish's chase down to the goal line to prevent a St Kilda goal was incredible. Well, the game was over at that point. Two minutes to go, we're already in front by 10 goals or 12 goals. And that desire to continue to chase and tackle was incredible. Yeah, look, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and make no mistake, Jack Billings isn't slow either. So <laughs> Hindy has got some, I mean, we all know, it, but he's got some serious pace to run him down. Like, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was fair. And look, you know, um, that was all the way up the ground, you know, from things like Harrison Jones intercepting that mark early or um, just just around the stoppage, you know, we obviously were able to get front position and, and win the clearances. Um, and that, you know, it comes from, we, we, we were able to create turnovers in that sort of inside contested area and, and get it on the outside quickly. So um, it, I was really impressed with that. It really started in the midfield, didn't it? That desire to win the football because that's where it all went very wrong against Port Adelaide is we, we just couldn't get our hands on the football and we didn't provide enough pressure. And the difference it makes week to week when the defence isn't getting slammed by the opposition midfield just strolling in and hitting targets on the lead really allows them to set up and, and get the defensive game going. Yeah, and I, credit to our mids as well. I mean, look, St Kilda were horrible. They were horrible. So I don't know if this... As much as it uh, was nice to have an 85-point win, I don't know if we were playing a St Kilda side that was at their best. Well, definitely um, And the fact that they lose nah. Gresham early in the game as well makes a big yeah. difference. Which... That's terrible to yeah. hear. Yeah. Um, but I, as well as our mids at the contest, it was our mids work around the ground as well. They got in good positions. They got in the corridor and used it. Mm. And we were able to throw the, flow the ball through there. St Kilda didn't set up great and probably allowed us to do it uh, far too much, but um, good to know that if, if teams are going to give us that, well, we're going to take it and we're going to do it well. So Our foot skills um, were uh, top-notch on Saturday night, which, I, I mean, comes down to lack of pressure as well, but that's the best kicking performance I've seen by an Essendon team for quite a while. Yeah, and and to sort of uh, keep uh, devel- to give credit to our mids, the, the depth we have, th- I mean, we've spoken about it on previous episodes, but the depth we have through there is genuine now. I mean, we lost two superstars, two really top, top, probably two of our top three or top four, maybe top five. Well, Darcy Parrish probably says, hang on, throw me in there. So, um, I wouldn't say Corbin we've got genuine a, a superstar just yet, but he certainly has been earmarked as a 100% starting midfielder. Yeah, sorry, that's, well, starting mid, um, is it like is in our top top handful of uh, of of mids, mm. uh, and you know we've got we've got genuine depth there in that midfield position. That mm. you know we uh, Shields down and Darcy picked up the the scraps, and obviously Zach Merritt started the the year like a house on fire as and, well. And so. I think don't don't discount the effect that Stringer had being able to take a centre bounce, push forward. I mean he didn't run through the midfield, but that ability to have that really good contested clearance player step up at the centre bounces and either negate their best clearance player or get the ball himself, I think goes a long way to helping players like Darcy Parrish and, and Caldwell and those others with the clearances for sure. Well, definitely. I'm not just going to uh, say sorry, how exciting was the return of Jake Stringer. Like within the first 30 seconds, it was like he just lifted the team, I feel. Yeah, oh, absolutely. A player like that, um, I've, I think twofold. Like, obviously, what he did with the footy in hand, but also, um, I was in, it was 
interesting to see that he actually went to Jack Steele. Now, Jack Steele was the only St. Kilda player uh, of the top 12 disposal winners, uh, all Essendon. Uh, Jack Steele was, sorry, Essendon had 11 of the top 12 uh, disposal winners, um, with Jack Steele being the one St. Kilda player. Um, oh, and Zach Jones and Seb Ross tied Matt Guelphie for 18. Mm. But um, interesting to see the truck went with Stringer on at, at a centre bounce, Stringer to steal and force the opposition's best mid to have to run defensively if we got the clearance. Mm. Um, and we did see this last year uh, against Fremantle in round one. Uh, I think Shield and Stringer sort of played on Fife and forced him to have to run back. And, and we were able to sort of, uh, hurt Fremantle that way until Fife moved to the back half. But I'll be interested to see if, if they do that consistently and how actually other teams respond to that. Because mm. um, that's a real weapon and that's that's a uh, one way to hold them accountable. Yeah, and I think I think Stringer lifts the team in a big way because I think he's the, the one player that we've had really since James Heard that you can insert when the game is going against you and he can actively push it the other way. He can insert himself in a centre bounce, you know, and kick a long goal or create something. And we haven't had that real explosiveness for quite a while. And we really missed it while he's been injured. Yeah, I think he is certainly... I used to be Tipper, but he is certainly now our barometer. Mm. Um, if he goes well, we go well. And I think that was, that was exemplified on the weekend, but... Um, also in that Collingwood game last year where he pretty much got us over the line himself. So mm. um, Jakey Boy is really important for us now. And, um, I mean, it's twofold. He win, he'll win it at the contest, but then also up forward, he can play big and commands a good defender, which obviously helps everyone else. But uh, if he hits the deck, well, he's he's good enough to win something on the deck and create something. Mm. So he's such a, an important player. Um, and I, I mean, Nick, you made this point the other night in our first run of this, that uh, a credit to the Essendon medical staff for actually holding him out mm. uh, and not, not forcing him back, which we might have done in his past, and actually make him, no, we've got to wait till you're ready to perform and come in and, and actually give us your best. So um, I thought that was, that was good. It's encouraging science, despite what we've said in the last few weeks. Mm. Um, and then my last point, my last like, was that there was no third quarter sort of uh, blimp, it was, or blip, I should say. Um, we just, I, you could, you certainly knew going into the rooms that they would be thinking about that, uh, that this is a bit of deja vu. We were certainly thinking it uh, in the we stands. We were waiting for it, weren't we? But, we were just uh, waiting for that fall. We were. Yeah, but full credit to them. Uh, and, and again, St Kilda were terrible, but uh, we managed to sort of weather their storm. And then I think we, we ended up beating by two or three goals in that quarter anyway. So, I think it was four goals to two uh, in the third quarter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they, they, those were all my likes. Uh, be interested to hear uh, if there was anything else to add to that. Um, you sort of touched on it, but my big like um, from round one, I obviously didn't see um, the Port Adelaide game, but from round one, my big like has been the young players. Um, they just look like... They really want to be playing out there for the red and black. Mm. Um, they look like they're they're playing with heart, which is something that I think has been missing a little bit over the last few years um, from the Bombers. So to see this um, group of young guys come out there and give it their all is super exciting to see as a supporter. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think, you know, we heard about um, when Paul Brasher... Uh, did his supposed internal review. Um, and, you know, he did say there was unwavering support for Ben Rutten. Um, now, whether or not that's the case, I mean, he's not going to, I really doubt he's going to come onto a media conference and say that there wasn't. But um, the actions that are taking place seems to be that case, seems to be the case. But uh, I do agree, it seems that the personality or the, just the personality of the personnel we've got around seem to be a more focused group than maybe what we've had in, in, the, in the past. Um, I do think the clean out of, you know, just saying to God, okay, hey, if you're 50-50 about being here, um, there's a the door. We don't want you here. Just find another club. We'll get you out. We'll get deals done. Uh, and it, 
and look, I mean, um, Nick obviously touched on it before. In the VFL, uh, our whole backline pretty much played together um, from probably that uh, trio of Hooker, Hurley, or quartet of Hooker, Hurley, uh, Heppel, and Zaharakis. Everyone below that would have been, is in sort of a five year. Uh, time period of being drafted into the club. Mm. So there's a, a lot of guys, a lot of uh, closeness in age. Um, so I, I, I do agree. There seems to be a closeness within the group. And you can see, when, you know, Harrison Jones kicked his goal and well, Archie did something. They no, got around. And, I did yeah, really. I, that, I do sense that. That's probably my big like was that when Harry got his first goal, when Waterman got his first goal. Like I haven't seen Essendon players mob a goal kicker like that and genuinely get excited for each other. Even when Redmond kicked his goal, Hindy was so excited. It's um, it's something that's really nice to see, that camaraderie. It is. It is, yeah. It's been a... Oh, not that it's been a while, but we, I think, yeah, past few years, maybe we, uh, we have felt a little bit of disjointment uh, amongst the team. We're not within the four walls, but I do certainly feel there is a connectedness amongst the group, so I do agree with that. Mm. Yeah, Nick. Any other likes or uh, something to add? That I've I've taken up a lot of airtime. <laughs> mm. No, I think you've, you're spot on with that. Uh, with the likes, should we should we move on to some dislikes? Do we have any dislikes? Um, I'll, I'll, my only one was uh, the soft tissue. I mean, we we know now it was just a little bit of tightness for Redmond. Um, well, this is an interesting one because he, I. I'm cautious about whether he plays on Thursday. I'd prefer he doesn't. You would think surely he um, wouldn't. Like with such a quick turnaround and some tightness, you're just asking for trouble, in my opinion. Mm, I agree. As much as I love Redmond, but is it worth the risk? Yeah. Yeah, and Heppel's, Heppel's uh, supposedly available selection. So, you, I mean, you've got to pick your captain. Yeah, and um, then obviously we get the news that, that Dylan Shield's going to miss four months of footy which takes him right up to round 20, 19, 20, 21, um, which will have him peak fitness for our tilt at the premiership at the finals, <laughs> uh, which I'm, I'm happy with. I think, I think that's a smart decision. Get the surgery done, get a good heal through, get a good rehab through that um, and have him ready for finals or ready for next year. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think um, an interesting point on the soft tissue, and I know like you've um, been critical of uh, our, our fitness and medical staff in the past, given um, Caldwell's injury was a soft tissue, and you know we've had th- that sort of uh, soft tissue injury in the past. Now, whether that's Sean Murphy's fault or fitness, who knows? Or the, sorry, the medical staff, who knows? Um, but I would, I my theory is. Um, Personally, I don't think Sean. I think Sean Murphy got a bit. He sort of copped the perhaps a, a lack of. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the mismanagement when during the Crow era. But anyway, my I think we're seeing a lot of soft tissue injuries this year due to uh, the shorted uh, both game time or game length and season of last year. Mm. So if you can imagine, players are coming on. Uh, cut, sorry, uh, they've done a full preparation period, came into round one, uh, boom, COVID hits. They have sort of an off period, uh, a, a detraining period. It, you know, They can do as much running as they want, but it's not the same as playing football. Mm. Uh, come back in, very quick turnaround to prepare, and then they play a year uh, of short, shortened style of footy. Um, Some of them as not well, playing at all, given that they're – Playing the twelve aside and that sort of thing. Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. Um, so shortened game length, shortened season, uh, and then there wasn't obviously the VFL competition. Fast forward into this year, uh, they're back to a longer game, but also that man on the mark rule and how much that has opened up the game and therefore scoring that and and the interchange rule. Uh, the game is a lot faster. That ball is moving a lot faster than what it was 12 months ago. And the volume of running they would be doing would be significantly higher than what they were doing last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think we could we could have 
the best fitness and medical staff in the world. Injuries. Uh, now, you know, it's sort of a, a more of a management issue than a total eradication issue, just just due to the fact that we're introducing a, a, a stimulus that these players haven't been accustomed to for, for years now. Um, that, so that's my theory anyway. That, and I think that will become part of it, absolutely. But, I mean, soft tissue injuries, uh, they're somewhat complex in that, you know, lots of things go into it, recovery, sleep, diet, stress levels, all those things go into it. But for me, and and look, we've had a couple this season that we know of. There's certainly quite a few people on our injury list uh, that are a bit mysterious, like Andrew Phillips and what was Guelphie out with and those sorts of things. So what, um, there's, there's rumors that Nick Bryan has a hamstring, those sorts of things. Um, but ultimately, the biggest indicator for soft tissue injuries is poor fundamental biomechanics and i will say this over and over and over again and it gets over complicated by many practitioners people assume that professional athletes because they are fit have good biomechanics but their biomechanics are just as messed up as everyone else that we see walking up and down the street they just happen to be fitter and stronger and therefore they have you have that assumption around them, but they don't. They have poor biomechanics, just like you and I. And if you don't address that for someone, particularly someone like Caldwell, uh, like they mismanaged Joe Danaher for a long period of time, like Arazio for a long period of time, doesn't matter how well you manage their loads. If their biomechanics are not good, they're going to do soft tissue injuries. Okay. Yeah. Is it? Is it? Uh, I'm assuming, uh, given there's so much neural uh, association with uh, you know how someone actually moves, is it hard to to change someone uh, their running technique and their jumping technique and their cutting technique and their no because uh, especially under the the fast uh, game like instinctive sort of well. It, it... It's a lot simpler than you think it would be. Um, and really, because all humans, and this is not really about about football and about Essendon, but all humans walk in the same way, uh, assuming you have two legs and, and all your toes and that sort of thing. Uh, we all walk in the same way, and therefore, by extension, we should all run in the same way. And so it's actually quite easy to identify what part of the gait pattern is failing on individuals and therefore rehab it. And then it becomes a, a what we call a neurological rehab. But that I digress. Essentially, the point is that it's easy to assess for biomechanics if you know what you're looking for. And it's relatively easy to change if you understand the way that your brain communicates with your body and the way that that activates muscles and et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and look, uh, we're getting off topic here, but it's interesting that, uh, you know, you watch the Olympics and there are so many Olympians that move in a, what would be considered a fundamentally biomechanically disadvantageous, but they're, uh, they're the best in the world at what they do. Um, I think, I mean, this is another debate for another day and probably a different podcast. I think that but, there's just, uh, interesting there are just so up. many sorry, contributing sorry, factors. Like, I mean, yes, biomechanics yeah. contribute, but also, yes, the difference in load from last year as compared to this year contributes. Like, I don't think that you can really hang your hat on one thing in particular. Like, it's definitely a combination of many, many factors um, and you know what, it's just the unfortunate part of any professional sport is there's going to be injuries and you, you probably need to hope that your team has the depth to cover those. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we can go around in circles about this on and on and on. The, the reality is we're not inside the club and we're not seeing exactly what they're doing in terms of management and rehab and those sorts of things. So we're all just speculating, but I think the, I guess the point I'm making is it, it's, a lot simpler than people assume just because they're professional athletes. Um, and also, at the same time, it, it's a little bit more complicated because you're right, Maddie. loads come into it, that change in load comes into it, sleep comes into it, recovery, lots and lots of different things come into it. So mm. so it's hard to point the finger about where, 
where there could be a problem. And I'm not even sure necessarily that we have a problem, if that makes sense. Like we might be across the league, we might be doing well with our injuries and it could be down to our fitness and training loads. And certainly we looked fitter last on Saturday night than we did the week before against Port Adelaide when we just got smashed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we, yeah, you do look fitter when you're controlling the footy, but um, yeah, look, I, yeah, I think that summed up the point that the, the fitness thing, I don't think it's a um, plight in our staff. I just think it's the fact that a lot of these guys are inexperienced. They came off a reduced sort of load last year. It's a bigger load this year. And there are a lot of guys there who missed out on playing VFL footy, um, et cetera, et cetera. Now they're coming and playing a really high volume version of the game with how opened it up and the extent of time. And the lower, yeah. the lower no, cool. rotation certainly will have an impact for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So I, um, I have a dislike. Let's go. Cool. And that is the prophet of doom, Tom Cutler. <laughs> it is just, it's just a double whammy. Not only do you see him taking the field, but you also know that it means because somebody else has gotten injured. I, I do not ever want to see him as the sub again. It's such a double disappointment. Either have him in the team or yeah. not in the team. Don't ever put him as a sub. It's like it's like a kick in both nuts. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel for him. I think that medical sub is the worst spot to be in in footy because you clearly, I mean, something about you. Look, in Cutler's defense, like, he's probably in that sub because he can really play anywhere on the That's ground. right. Um, not well, but, but he can. <laughs> um, he, you would think that he would be in sort of, he's in our four emergency. So he's in the cusp of being in the team, but he's deprived of an opportunity to play in the VFL and stake his claim. Um, but then he's got to go and sit on the bench for three quarters or not, not you know, sit on the bench a whole game and miss out on actually playing any footy. So I, I don't actually, I do feel for the guy that that would, you know, kill you having to watch that for when I'm going to come on, prepare yourself to play, but have to wait for three or four quarters. And to, also to not be able to, um, so. to prepare in a role correctly. So because yeah. he's coming on as a medical sub, is he going half back? Is he going half forward? Is he going on the wing? How How is that going to work? So I, I do I do see your point. As much as I love to make him the whipping boy or one of the two whipping boys of our <laughs> podcast, it is, uh, I, I don't envy his position. It's a very, very tough position to be in. Yeah, and when you're on the cusp, like, you know, it's a pretty mentally draining position to be in because you do think about, well, what have I got to do? So, mm. and, you know, he's stuck to sitting on the bench and thinking about that all day and trying to stake his claim to be in the side. And I do feel for him. I really, yeah, I don't envy the position he's in. So, And he had a um, bit of an almost game, didn't he? Like, if he actually hit some targets yeah. by foot and that, he would have had a decent, you know, uh, two and a half quarters. But there, you just had a couple of clangers and that sort of thing. I, I want to see what his disposal efficiency was like. But he, he wasn't terrible. He just wasn't great. Yeah. I, look, I think by just looking at him, his confidence does look a little bit shot. So I, I would like to see him go back to VFL level, um, do his thing, and hopefully he can get back up, despite the fact you'll, you'll whip him. But hopefully he can get his confidence <laughs> back up and, and contribute to us at, at AFL level. Uh, if and when we need it. So, 11 so, kicks, uh, two handballs, 85% efficiency. That's surprising. Uh, but let's go to the really important stats. Contested possessions, donuts. Uh, three turnovers, uh, 12 uncontested possessions, three score involvements, one goal assist, uh, six marks, zero contested, Six uncontested, four pressure acts, uh, zero clearances, tackles. That's where I want one tackle. Yeah, and one one percenter. Yeah, look. Yeah, I mean to be fair, I think we had uh, control of the ball from. Well, we actually smashed one tackle. We did, funnily enough. So um, maybe that's that's no excuse yet. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, no, hopefully Tommy Boy can, I really don't, yeah, hopefully he can get back to VFL, play some footy, get his confidence back up and, and be a contributor for us when he does come back to AFL level. Mm. Yeah, Laura, any other dislikes? No, I thought there was a lot to like, so there's not really anything that, yeah, 
Oh. Not this week. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, no, cool. All right, well, what do you reckon? Do we go to another break? In, uh, well, just before we hit another break, singing? I have one other dislike, and that is the yep. sauna-like environment that Marvel <laughs> Stadium was on Saturday. I've never been in that stadium have it be more humid, hot, and uncomfortable. It was terrible, wasn't it? That was uh, well. It was. I mean, we were saying before the game the uh, the blue collar bombers, the uh, the the mercury hits uh, thirty something and it's tools down. Tools down. Walk off. Walk off site. It was very unpleasant. Exactly. But but, actually, on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. Strong dislike. Marvel Stadium. Sort that out. That was. Why was the roof not open? Like it makes zero sense. Yeah, they should really uh, rethink those regulations because that was just ridiculous. That was just even you know if we had it open till half time, like mm. that was gross. That was gross. Yeah, it just needed to let some of that steam out. <laughs> yeah, and all the sort of you know we're getting up in our seats so much <laughs> and you know, a couple of fist pumps. It really sort of gets the uh, gets <laughs> the blood boiling. It does it does indeed? I I mean I yeah. I get the stress sweats at the best of times at a game of footy. I, I need to shower every time I get home from footy. Um, even even actually just watching it at home on the couch, I need to have a shower after. Do the listeners need this but, much information? Like, I feel like but, some things do not need to be said. This is the family podcast well, of the SM Football Club. Fair. Um, but, yeah, mate, you needed to – I needed to slice those shorts off me when I got home. It was not pleasant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. I, I, it was like trying to take some cheese off a cheeseburger. It just oh, just mm-hmm. gross. <laughs> yeah, that was the first time I've worn uh, Birkenstock sandals to the footy, and I don't regret it. It was. I remember stinky. the conversation yeah. went around the group before. Are shorts appropriate? I'm so glad that we were all like, yes, 100, percent because imagine you were in some sort of long pant. Oh, I would have definitely taken my pants off. Yeah, nah. <laughs> Fair enough, too. It was Just, not uh, a, it in was the not old jocks. Yeah. yeah. So glad yeah. Anyway, let's get to a break. Yeah, let's have a break, and then when we yeah, come back, right. we look forward to Thursday's game against Sydney. All right, team. Thursday night footy coming up against one of my most hated opponents, the Sydney goalpost climbers. <laughs> oh, the uh, the Swannies. Yeah, look, I think, I mean, we said this on our, our first run, but, well, first of all, we never get, I mean, we never get Sydney in... Melbourne. As we, if we only play them once, we always get them up there. We, them and Frio and, and West Coast teams. Frio, West Coast, and Sydney. If we ever play them once, it's always at their home ground. And if we play them twice, we never play them in Melbourne first. It's so frustrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I reckon you can almost throw Brisbane in there too. Yeah. Yeah, we rarely play Brisbane in Melbourne. Yeah. Oh no! I, I rare, would say that we play Brisbane in Melbourne more than the other three. Oh, definitely. But still, like most often, Brisbane is at the Gabba. It's it's just yeah. I sorry. Well, it's just so frustrating to see uh, every year SCG knowing that the Swans. It's a small ground that they shouldn't even have football at. The Swans traditionally will wet, they'll just water the shit out of the ground so it's a sloppy slug fest that suits them better and then you always get done with some dodgy umpiring that costs us the game. Yeah, well we've seen that a couple of times haven't we? Well, it's, but, it's uh, actually a modern day anyway. rivalry. Like I would say that we have had more classics with Sydney over the last 10 years than any other team. We have, and they've come down to some poor umpiring. Like, you know, obviously started with Gabby Rowan just 
throwing Michael Hurley uh, almost threw him to the uh, to the cheer squad behind the goals. Um, obviously, Dane Rampey climbing the post. Um, I'm assuming there's been some, or even uh, I think one went our way. I reckon it was the night of your 21st, Nick. That was a close McVay. one. Oh, Adam McPhee. Yeah. Was it Adam McPhee or McVeigh? McVeigh. He had the um. He had the ball. It was clearly out. And um. Oh, and he ended yeah. Up kicking. Yeah, that's right. And then McPhee kicked a ripper. Yeah, and we ended up winning by a point or something like that. You know what? Yeah. I think yeah, that you've yeah. had issues with Sydney ever since that one point prelim loss. Like I still vividly remember the tears and the anger after that one point. Was it a kick after the siren? Yeah, it was plugged after, after the siren. The siren. And ever since then, you've just hated Sydney with a passion. I absolutely have. I hate Sydney so much. But I would say, yeah. as a neutral supporter, I would say that the, probably the Essendon-Sydney, even though there hasn't been in really big prelims or finals or anything like that, I would say there's been more classics between Essendon and Sydney in the last 10 years than, than any other team that we've played regularly. Yeah, I even um, I'm thinking about. I think it was at Eddie had. Uh, we would. I was at Sydney. There were, we were eight goals down at three quarters time, and we kicked seven in the last. Just piled them on, and then Dempsey took a mark outside fifty. Took a step. Umpire called played on. I remember that. And then sort of came back, and Siren Siren went. Yeah, that was, I yeah, I remember that. Do you remember that? Yeah. So we've had some. We have had some uh, classics with and, Sydney. And then there was one um, uh, a year or two later when Adam Goods had a kick after the siren to win the game. Yeah. And he misses it. We ended up yeah. winning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, you could just list them off. Essendon and Sydney have had some cracking games. We have, yeah. But anyway, I think looking forward to this one. This is a game. It's a good yardstick game for us. Mm, I, uh, I think Sydney are a similar boat in terms of they're in that. They've got some genuine young guns and they're, they're rebuilding. But, um, you know, they're every chance to be playing finals and the way they're playing to really push good sides and even beat them with what they dished up against Richmond on, uh, was it Saturday afternoon Saturday or afternoon, Sunday? Yeah. Saturday. Saturday afternoon. Um, so I think this will be a really good yardstick for us given where maybe we're 12 months behind them, mm. maybe. Um, but 12 months and, and a couple of academies ve- behind them. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I think but, they um, are about a, a year ahead in development. Yeah, yeah. So really good yards. I mean, it's not going to be a boys versus men contest that we had uh, against Port. Absolutely I don't not. Think. No, I think I think probably the the only worry we've got is a fit Buddy Franklin, because um, I think probably Zerk Thatcher and Logan McDonald's a good matchup. Um, so I think mm. probably Zerk goes to Buddy unless you put Francis on Buddy. Um, our defence seems to match up really well with their forward line. Uh, even through the midfield, they've got some really good inside mids, but I think uh, Kennedy, Parker, those sorts of players, as good as they are and have been, I, I feel like from last year, players like Parrish, McGrath have taken that next step up, whereas Parker and Kennedy, well, you know what you're going to get. You, you know what their ceiling is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're proven players, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, so they'll probably roll off. Who Parker, Kennedy, uh, Mills, who's a gun. Mm. Um, I haven't got their lineup in front of us, but I wouldn't say we're better than them through the guts. But, you know, we've got names like Merritt, uh, Parrish with the game he played last week, Devin Smith, Andy McGrath. Um, it doesn't worry me and I'm pr- <laughs> that's probably the, I'm probably cursing us by saying it doesn't worry me but um, I think we can match them in there and I think whoever wins that midfield battle uh, probably wins the game because I don't think defensively that like the you know their forward line and our back line are probably evenly matched depending on what buddy dishes up if he one's back the clock. Mm. Uh, we might be in a bit of trouble. but And I, I think our forward line is pretty evenly matched with their back line. So the midfield could really be the difference. I, I think Tom McCartan's a bit underrated. I, I was reading some of his stats today, and I think he's the best intercept marker in the competition for the last something like eight or ten rounds, including last season. So gotcha. I, don't right. think, I don't think we can afford to continually bomb it in, but he is... No, absolutely not. No, no, no. 
He's not even that big. He's 193. I think we match them pretty well for height. Let's have a look at their lineup from last uh, last week against Richmond. And they're all around the 190, 192, 188 kind of centimetre mark in terms of their defenders. So I think um, we might be able to get an advantage with Hooker, uh, two-metre Peter, uh, Harry Jones. So I think I think they're definitely in much better form than us, but I don't think their matchup is their lineup is is a terrible matchup for ours, if that makes sense. Yeah, I tend to agree. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, Mills, Florent, Lloyd, Parker, uh, Dawson, Kennedy. Uh, yeah, they they yeah. Um Papel Outford. I think we're gonna be really I'd love to see Nick Nick Blakey on Cox. I think that'll be. I think that's that's probably well. the matchup I'm the most um, excited about. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think it, this is a fantastic matchup for us, given that it's um, a team in a similar position. They're probably a little bit ahead, but it's not a boys versus men contest. This is uh, this could be a really good hit out for us, mm. um, and something we can really see where we're at. Mm. Um, so. Having said that, we've probably cursed ourselves and got ahead of ourselves and they're going to come and blow us out of the water by 10 goals. <laughs> well, if you're going on form, I think they certainly do beat us comfortably. But, you know, I think we, if we come in with the same intent and a similar game plan, I think we'll, we'll, we should be in the game if not necessarily winning it. Yeah, yeah. I think this is an opportunity for us to have a... Sounds terrible to say, but if we don't win, it it could be a, an honourable loss. Um, in terms of you know we've just matched it with them. Yeah, they probably you know got a run of two or three goals on on us or something like that, and they were just a better side on that day. Um, but I think this is a really good, yeah, like I said, a good yardstick for us. And if we don't win, um, I think we'll lose in a very respectful fashion, as uh, sort of uh, defeating as that sounds and. Uh, as much of a probably a loser mentality as that is, um, I think yeah, this is a, it's a really good opportunity for us, um, and, and hopefully I see it as a, a chance to win. Because uh, I, I, I certainly Absolutely. think it is. I, it'll be a tough game if we do. We'll, we'll claw past them, but uh, yeah, a, re- a interesting matchup. Be a very interesting matchup for sure. Yeah, I yeah. think um... Laura yourself. I just really. Oh, sorry, Nick. I was. I was jumping. Okay, well, I just, yeah, I'm really hoping that it's a good game. Like, there's nothing more disappointing than, you know, you turn up, well, I'll be watching, you know, from home, excited for a good game of footy and you just get blown out of the water straight away. So I think if we can match it and at least, yeah, show up and put in a contest, that'll be, I think that'll be a win. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, Sydney tends has tended to be close games with us, as we were discussing before. But I think um, certainly we saw that with the Port Adelaide, the standard get blown out of the out of the water in the first 10 minutes and then you might as well not watch the rest of the game. So hopefully we don't end up with that. Uh, in terms of changes, I think probably you just bring in Heppel for Redmond. I don't see the merit in dropping anyone else. I think everyone else has had quite a good game on the weekend. Uh, and I would happily go in unchanged. Yeah, I tend to agree. I don't, I don't think we actually have uh, much, many options to come. I in. agree. They, um, yeah, played well as a team, and um, there wasn't really anybody that kind of let the team down, so to speak. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't think we have uh, too many other options either. So, um, now happy to go in unchanged. Uh, good to have Zach back available for selection, we're hearing. Uh, so, maybe he comes in as a medical sub. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but I, I, I'd probably like to him to get a game under his belt or something. But, uh, yeah, we shall see. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking very forward to it, yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, team, I think... Uh... That's a good second recording of uh, the same episode. And we'll get this out before the Sydney game. And then we'll come back sometime next weekend to discuss that game and then look forward. 
Amazing. Hopefully we've got some positivity to bring again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks, listeners. Sounds good. Uh, as we were supposed to mention at the start of the episode, but I'll mention it now, we are now on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And you can find us and, and share us through there. Give us a rating if you if you like what we do. If you don't, uh, you can give us a bad rating. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the Don Father Pod. Um, we've got our media manager Daniela working hard behind the scenes to build a bit of traction. So jump on there and give us a follow. Well, team, thanks for joining me tonight, and uh, let's convene post Sydney and see how we go. Until then, go Dons.